Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. I always like to begin by thanking you for listening to or watching today's podcast episode. I also want to begin by reminding you that the Wednesday A Quiet Life podcast is sponsored by Loader Road Goods out of Coshocton, Ohio. The owner, the operator, the chief leather man, Chris Kent, is all things Loader Road Goods. Before we started promoting Loader Road Goods, we had a phone call and he said, man, do you need anything, anything made or repaired? And I said, you know, I got this hatchet I really like and I love having a hatchet with me when I go certain places. And uh, I said, there's a button on it that just won't close and it drives me crazy. He said, let me see what I can do. Well, lo and behold, a couple weeks later, this hatchet cover arrives and it's incredible. I don't know how you make it, but he does. And it's stitched very well. The button stays closed. There's even a clip on the back if you want to put it on your belt. And this is something you can break out and be proud of and display around the campfire with your friends or you just need to get some work done on a Saturday. Either way, if you put in the discount code AQUIETLIFE, all capital letters, one word, when you check out at Loader Road Goods, you'll save 15% off your order. Men, it's time for today's podcast episode. Okay, so if the last two weeks can't get any stranger, last night, which was Tuesday, today is Wednesday, Valentine's Day, hopefully you're ahead of that, and this podcast is supposed to be live, I don't know, a few hours ago, three hours ago, I went to make sure I had the audio and the intro and all that put together, and uh, no file found, so here we are Wednesday morning having a conversation that was pre-recorded somewhere and is gone, so uh, we're talking about open doors. I've prayed this a number of times. I don't know where I heard it. I'm sure I heard it from somebody and I thought that makes sense. So I, I began to incorporate into my own prayers. You, you say, Jared, I'm, I'm looking for a new job. Would you pray uh, that God would provide a job for me and you know, the hours and the you know, travel or whatever, whatever it is that you, you say, I, I feel like I need for it to be good for me or my home or whatever. And I, you got it, man. And so I often will pray, God, open a door for so-and-so. And I pray that, you know, you would close the wrong ones, open the right ones. And, and I use that phrase a lot. You know, uh, I use that phrase where, man, um, you know, I just want to walk through that door, make it clear, make it obvious. I don't know if you can relate to that. And perhaps today's um, conversation is just something me talking to myself therapeutically because of what the Holy Spirit has convicted me of in the last week or so. But recently, as I was teaching, I went through Acts 14, um, 24 to 28. Now, I try to go through books of the Bible. I try to do them, you know, chunks at a time, walk through it. Um, I'm not word for word as far verse by verse, you know, we'll take portions. But the idea is let's let's see what God is teaching us through his word. And then let's let's pursue some understanding so we can go apply it and hopefully be better equipped to live out our faith. Because not only do we need it, there's those around us need it, you know, in our home, workplace. People won't even know who they are. And uh It was talking about uh, Paul and Barnabas completing kind of this first missionary journey, and they went back to where they started. And it says in verse 27, this is chapter 14 of Acts, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, had a little potluck, you know, maybe you have some missionaries you support, and when they come around, we order pizza for them, and we want to hear about malnourished cows, and I want to hear about how you have a tape recorder because you don't have the technology, and, you know, and you know, I want to hear how simple things are. I want to hear how the Spirit has been moving. Like, we, we want to hear kind of this freak show of ministry somewhere else that we're like oh man that's so cool 
you know, wouldn't it be really cool if when the missionary came to town that you said, just sit down, you want coffee, tea, water, Coca-Cola, like what's your, what's your beverage? You get him a beverage and you say, how long do you have? Well, they don't have a real long time because they're going around on a, uh, a money raising mission. They go, I got 45 minutes good enough. And for 45 minutes, you just tell this missionary of all the things that have been going on in your church, in your community, in your life, in your home since they left town. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm telling you, I don't know if I've ever experienced that. It's typical when the missionary comes to town. Again, we want to see the cows. We want to see chocolate from your country. We want to see something that's very obscure that we just can't understand. We want to see the roads, the marketplace, the people, maybe a few selfies nowadays. And then we pass the plate to try to help them out a little bit as they go on to the next place. When they gathered everyone together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. They remained no little time with the disciples. So when did all this begin? It began in Acts 13. In Acts 13, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. While these people were worshiping, while they were fasting, I think sometimes we don't have people set apart for ministry, or we don't feel that call, or we don't sense that call, or we're not churches that send people out. And what I mean by sending people out is you raise them up, you equip them, and you're like, go live the Great Commission. Go plant a church in that state. Go plant a church in that country. Not for a week, not for something you put on a, an index card or some kind of mailing that says, well, you help so-and-so, their goal is $2,500 to go to Zimbabwe, and you can Venmo it. or you, No, I mean like go and be with the people, live with the people, do that. And, and, and maybe you've moved and done that. Sometimes I feel that way in where I'm at in the city of Indianapolis. I remember a guy years ago saying, we need 10 families from this church to go, and, and he was talking about the same thing I was just kind of talking about. I thought, you're foolish. I really did. I thought, that's ridiculous, and that's rude. You're telling people you want them to move. Well, here I am, a guy who had moved a few times for the gospel. Not because I wanted to move, but God moved me. And here's what happens to Paul and Barnabas. God moves them. That What were they doing? They were worshiping and fasting. We don't fast well. There's some people who are really good at this, really strong at this, and others who have an adverse reaction to it. I've said before, if you say, hey, we're going to fast, suddenly everyone's going to pull out their medicine cabinet and be like, well, I just can't go three hours without peanut butter or you know whatever. Well, here they are. Somehow they're pulling it off, and the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they did more of it. They worshiped, they fasted, they fasted, and they prayed, according to Acts. It's a lot of fasting going on. I don't know about you, I'm more in the song part. Keep singing. Who's got the worship team? Keep them going. No, worshiping, fasting, and praying. So they were sent out. And as they went out, they encountered a lot of really unique people. I'm going to say this. God opened the door. I'll go back to where I started. Have you ever prayed, God, open a door, open this door, make it obvious, close the wrong doors? Have you ever prayed that? Just getting a little sip of coffee. I know I have. Prayed a lot. Prayed all the time. Open a door, make it obvious. God, you know that I'm not a very bright man. You know that I overthink things. You know that I can be slow to be obedient. God, make it I need it real obvious. Like one of them grocery store doors that just opens up wide and I just walk through it. I don't got to touch nothing. And maybe the lady at the door greets you. Maybe she's not paying attention. But it's just obvious. And it's easy. That's what I want. I want it obvious and I want it easy. I want it clear. And I want something I could tell my friends. Now, we knew this was a door that the Lord had opened because, and then you give them the low-hanging fruit reasons. 
Remember that show back in the day? I think they tried to reboot it. I, I could be mistaken. I believe it was called uh, Let's Make a Deal. I could be wrong on that too. But I do remember a show where all these people were in these bizarre costumes. And if you were with somebody, like a husband-wife combination, boyfriend-girlfriend, you would often match their, com- their, their costume. And these costumes were wild, right? And I remember the host saying something like, you know, I need someone who has, you know, a Q-tip in their purse. Or he would name something. Nowadays, I mean, I don't know what you would call it. You probably have to call it apps on a phone or something. But he would call it something that you find in their purse, in their pocket, because we, we were different back then. And, boy, I found a skeleton key or a hairpin or whatever. And then he would run up to them and, what's your name? Where are you from? What are you supposed to be? And they laughed all the time. And then... I don't know how the game always worked, but I know there was a point where there were some doors that would come up and you had to pick which door you thought the best prize was behind. I think there was a time where you could say, I'm going to eliminate that door and they'd open the door up and want, want, want. And then there might be like something really good behind there. You thought, oh, great. They're going to get, you know, a case of baked beans or, you know, some kind of cow or something, you know, you're like some kind of bizarre animal, a mini horse, whatever. And at home, I'd be like, oh, I always pick this number or, you know, never do that. Or, you know, you told me your birthday's on the third. Of course, it's not going to be behind door number three, you know. And I always have my input. I think sometimes we do that with people who serve the Lord. We always give our input. We're on the couch. We're comfortable in our home. We're not in the game. We're not doing it. But we're going to give our input. We're going to tell them, oh, this is what you should. Oh, man, you should be doing this. You, Oh, I don't know why they do that. I don't. Seems like you should be. Well, seems like never gets anything done. Well, they pick a number and they, you know, whatever. And that's what we want with God. Like, okay, God has given me three doors. I'm going to eliminate number one. Like House Hunters International. Here's three properties. This one's the furthest away from the beach. We want to live right on the beach and we want six bedrooms and three bathrooms. And I want to pay $800 a month. Like, where do you think you're living? You ever watch that show? It's wild. And we want it to be clear. We want it to be obvious. We want it to be the best decision we've ever made. Well, read the book. Because if you just read Acts 14, verse 27, how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and you're like, get out the crockpots. Get out the queso. Make the sweet tea. Pour some lemonade. We're having ourselves a fellowship lunch. Get out the charcuterie board. Order a little Caesars for those who forgot to bring something. We're going to sit and we're going to celebrate. Well... Context is very vital here. And I think it's vital when it comes to conversion. When you're converted, I don't know how many people tell you, now we need you to be actively involved in the great commission to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded them. That's a big deal. Oh, I thought I was just getting a t-shirt. You mean it's more than just raising my hand and filling out a card? I took the eight-week class. You're telling me I may have to go actually leave my house? You're telling me I'm going to have to use words and talk? Uh, yeah, according to the book, you're going to need to do that. <clears throat> I'm not going to belabor this point, but I made a video uh, earlier today. It was just on my mind. During the Super Bowl, there was a commercial, and the commercial had something to do with Jesus. I'm not going to get into it. I didn't see it. I've since seen it because of all the social media conversation that is around it. I Okay. I've never counted on the media to be the evangelistic tool. You know, when Tim Tebow puts a verse under his eyes and everyone looks it up, I think that's a huge win. However, I didn't count on Tim Tebow to do what I've already been charged to do. And he's a godly man. And I'm not going to count on some other company, whatever they, whoever they are and whatever they're about, it doesn't matter. Whether they make a commercial or whether they're in the movie-making business, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to count on them to do what I'm supposed to do. I see it this way, and I know not everyone does. I'm just giving you my two cents here. I see it this way. We can climb up the social media 
mountaintops and start to shout and duke it out in the comments section digitally. And well, what about and this? Maybe. But I'm saying, I'm, I don't know, I'm not wired that way. I do know this. To me, it reminds me of what Jesus said. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. So whether I'm not calling someone a worker or not, what I'm saying is that harvest is still plentiful, and you and I have been given a charge to go make disciples. That's our door. Maybe a commercial that people are talking about. Maybe that's your door. I don't know. I'm not counting on it. Maybe a movie series is your door. I don't know. I'm not going to count on that. What I, I know my wiring. My, what I'm counting on is I need to get this book, I need to get in it, and I need to look for people that I'm going to have conversations with that could potentially open the door for the gospel to be shared. There are some people on social media, and some of you follow them, and that's fine. It's not my, that's not my deal. Anytime there is something in our nation that is newsworthy, they're going to make a video or podcast about it. I'm just not. And I'm not saying I'm better than them. I'm just saying don't lose focus on what we're about because there are people who are not believers there are people who may have watched the movies or the commercials or watched us, and they're getting an idea of who Jesus is about, and we haven't even left our house. And so when I look at Paul and Barnabas and I see them, what they're doing, they go and there's a guy who's uh, really, really making it uh, a challenge for them to share the gospel. And Paul says, you not stop making crooked the path, straight path of the Lord. And uh, then he blinds him. So was, yeah, and he was unable to speak. He was blind and able to, unable to speak. Seems like Paul went through that too. And then they go and they're teaching more people. And you know, here's the thing: in uh, they get to um, they go uh, Antioch and Poseida. Forgive me. They go and they basically teach them the story of the Bible. Some people convert, and I wrote the verses next to where uh, these things are located in the script in the scriptures. Uh, so they should have known this. Some people believe. Uh, the, the word of God is spreading, and then some people want to kill him. And it gets to the point where they shake the dust from their feet and go, all right, we're out. We're heading to Iconium. And then they get there, and uh, there's a guy who can't walk, and Paul helps him. And then there's people who think they're gods, like Zeus and Hermes. And then in uh, Luke 4, or forget him, Acts 14, 19, uh, Paul is stoned and left for dead and then gets back up and goes in there and keeps preaching the gospel. And verse 22, strengthen the souls of the disciples, encourage them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. There's that door again. A lot of people believe. A lot of people become converted. Some people try to kill them. Some people are mad and angry. Doesn't matter. Make disciples. The doors are opened all around us. Now, I want to share this with you because it's something that I'm learning. You say, Jared, I don't agree with that. Okay. I think if we do not walk through the obvious doors of obedience, I don't think any other I don't think other doors just open up. For example, my children, if they can't do the basics, I don't know, get a dish to a sink, put your socks away, make your bed, close the door, turn a light off, whatever. Those are basics, wouldn't you agree? Then I'm not going to give them the keys to the car. I'm not going to give the password to the checking account. You see what I'm saying? I'm not going to give them better if we can't handle the minuscule. I think God is looking at us and saying, you're not handling the the, the simple task. You're afraid to speak up in the simple moments. And we're like, God, bless me. Show me your favor. Show me your glory. Provide more doors, more opportunities. Like You're not walking through the obvious ones. I'm guilty of this. I don't know if you are, but I'm guilty of this. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, the other day. We were out of town. I may have shared this. We were getting some 
headphones at a Walmart. I, I, I lost my AirPods or whatever whatever they're called. I, I didn't have them with me, and I was out of town. And I just need them. I always need a pair of headphones, whatever they are. So I bought the real cheap, I don't know, the white ones on a string that plug into your phone. I bought them, and when I was at the counter, I just asked the lady, what's well, something I could pray for you about? Because we had kind of been conversing. I don't just, you know. And, uh, man, she lit up, learned a lot about her. And uh, that same friend this week sent me a text and was like, hey, I'm just hoping that while you guys are back in the ICU and all the stuff going on, you know, with your father-in-law and stuff, he said, um, you know, maybe God will use you guys in some way, you know, and I just, it just where I was at, it just dawned on me and I pulled out my phone and I took a, a, a screenshot of um, like the notes. I, I have notes all the time, text or notes all the time. And there were some people I had ran up on the last few days just, just by living, just by being in an environment that I'm normally not in. Uh, there's a guy named Joseph works at a store where uh, you can get appliances and stuff or wash machine broke. So I had to go get one and he brings it out to the vehicle and I get to talking to Joseph, find out he doesn't live very far um, from the church where I serve. As a matter of fact, he's been to our church before. And I said, did I talk to you? Cause I don't remember. We're not a big church. He said, no, I felt about an inch high. I said, brother, you got to come back. So we kind of talked about when he was there and what, it was a special weekend and stuff, but it doesn't matter. Man, I felt terrible. I prayed with him, got to hear his story, got to know more about I'm like, I'm praying, God, send him back. Send him back to our church at least one more time so we can love on him appropriately so he can get a, a better image of, of what we're really about. There's a guy who's a chaplain at the hospital. His name is Mike. He came in, comes in a couple times, and uh, we've seen him. And He's a nice man, but I, I've never heard this guy share a scripture. I've never heard him mention Jesus. So does he believe in Jesus? I don't know. I'm not going to know just because you have a title. Well, one of the time he came in, I just said, all right, man, how can I pray for you? And his whole body like changed, like his shoulders dropped. He didn't have to be the chaplain guy for a second. And he just said, would you pray for emotional stamina? And he kind of explained, you know, what his job entails and stuff. And I, yeah. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, God just laid on his heart. Now you might get fired if you tell him what you believe, but who gave you the job to begin with? Who could get you the next one? I said, you a part of a church affiliated with him? Nope. Well, maybe, maybe Michael is, maybe God's going to open a door for him to work somewhere else. I'm not trying to get him to lose a job, but why on earth would we not say in Jesus name, I pray? Why would we not ask him? Can I pray with you? It seems like in that circumstance, there'd be more people open to it. And I say that because there was a guy who, uh, his family came in and, and, uh, seems like by the way they were talking, they were not believers. I don't know. Um, and so I just went over, I said, what's your person in for? And he kind of gave me the scenario and situation. And I said, all right, I mean, I'll pray for him. And that's all I did. I didn't pray right then. And as a matter of fact, outside of the first guy, I didn't, I haven't prayed with any of these people on the spot. I just got to know him and, you know, said, Hey, you know, whatever, trying to have a conversation that just says, I hear you, I'm listening to you. And, and I care about your situation. Since that, that time I have ran into the family a couple more times, got to know a little bit more about the story. We've actually got to pray with the guy, uh, who is the son of the guy that's in the hospital and found out more about, <clears throat> forgive me, that situation. Got to talk to his best friends in seventh grade for a little bit about, you know, that kind of everything, life and all that stuff. A uh, lady named Max, who's from uh, Tennessee, who was up here. Her mother's on a ventilator. I, I got to be honest, I don't think her her mother made it, but she's lonely. She was all, you know, where you're you're frazzled. And my wife went down to talk with her, and then we got to um, talk with her some more. And and I don't, I know my wife prayed with her. I don't know if if I don't think I have. And uh, but we did talk talk to her and stuff. Um, I went to Friday night. Last Friday night, I was just tired, and some people were going to go out to eat. And we just didn't want to. My son and I did not want to go where they were going. Just tired. Just wanted to go home. And I said, let's go to Chick Fil A. 
<clears throat> we're going to go drive through. Went to Chick-fil-A, 9 o'clock at night, and a guy uh, comes up to wait on us like they do outside. And I said, you know, I get talking to him. And I said, hey, man, is there something I can pray for you about? And we talked to him, and I said, no, 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 forgive me, I didn't. I, I asked him, I was like, what's your name? And he said his name was Muhammad. Now, my first thought, my honest first thought was, well, our path of faith is not going to be the same. So I'll probably just get my food and uh, head on down the road. It's late. I do want to go home. And I said, well, Muhammad, here's where I'm at. And I told him about our the hospital situation stuff. And I said, is there something? I'm going to be there for a while. Is there something I can pray for you about? Well, I don't think he really heard that part. But he started telling me about when his father passed away. And he starts telling me all these things that were very real and raw for about 20 seconds. Not a long time, just a little bit. And I thought, well, I don't think we landed where I thought we we're going to land. But maybe we landed where the Lord needs us to land. Or maybe where Muhammad needed this to land. And my son got to see that, which I think is cool. Uh, during this time, we've had a church member whose father was going to have surgery, and we got to pray with that for that situation. <clears throat> I don't tell you that as like, oh, Jared is giving us his. You know. What I'm saying is these doors of opportunity are all around us. And they look like people. They look like people. What does God care the most about? People. Now, I think door of opportunity would be convenience or comfort or just, I don't know, that I run up on another believer and we could just talk about how good God is. A day or two later, I was in the cafeteria and there's a lady, I think her name was Angela. And I'm trying to look at her name tag without looking like a weirdo. And I said, is it Angela? She said, yeah. I said, Angela, we got time on our hands. We got nowhere to go right now. But is there something we can uh, pray for you about? Completely caught her off guard. You know, the funny thing is, the way that Angela was interacting and stuff, I just assumed she had faith. According to her prayer request, I don't know what her, I don't know. It was like health for everybody or something to that effect. I'm like, all right, I will pray for Angela's health, spiritual health, physical health, mental health. Like, you know, I'm, I'll pray for health. Um, there are doors of opportunity everywhere. They just don't look like what we think they should look like sometimes. And I think if you don't walk through the door of obedience, you're not going to see more doors of opportunity. And I don't walk through the doors of obedience so that God will give me more. I walk through the doors of obedience so that I don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to nudge me 12 times. I'm trying to get closer to that first time. The first nudge that I say, okay, I can talk to that person. I can reach out to that person. I can witness to that person or whatever that looks like. And I have found the more that I do it as a guy who's pretty reserved, who really does prefer to be left alone, that the more I do it, the more I come out of my comfort zone, the more opportunities are presented, and I see people different, and it, it just makes me see the kingdom different. Wouldn't it be great if someday you're on the other side of eternity and someone greets you in heaven and says, I'm here because your son, your daughter, your kid in your youth group, your guy at work heard Jesus, he witnessed to me. Now, here's like two, three links in the chain of faith that you have no idea about. And it was just because you were obedient. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Now, with Paul and Barnabas, they had threats on their life. They had angry mobs. They were accused of being gods. They were you know, attacked in different ways, left for dead. And they said, a door of faith has opened to the Gentiles. Now, according to my DNA report, I'm a Gentile. I don't know where you're at, but if you are, then you get to be you get to be here. You get to know Jesus. You get to walk with him. You get to be a part of a church, a community, whatever that you would not have been invited to be a part of a long time ago because a door of faith has opened to the Gentiles. Don't you want to join in on those who've come before you? 
Don't you want to take that baton of faith, no matter how it was passed on to you, and run this race with perseverance so that when you get to your end of your life, whatever day that is, you can say, I gave everything to the Lord. I don't want to say, well, I second guessed myself and I just stayed outside. I really didn't feel like I knew a lot. I didn't want to do that. And uh, no scars, no bruises, no sweat equity. You just tried to die the safest and the easiest. I don't know how all that works on the other side of eternity. And I'm not trying to work my way into heaven. What I do want to do, though, is give the Lord all that I can. And I don't know what that looks like. One of the ways I know, one of the things I know it needs to look like is stop being selfish. Stop being self-absorbed. Stop wasting time. Stop wasting money. Stop wasting energy. Stop wasting your words on things that don't matter. Will I ever get that figured out? Probably not. That's the sanctification process. I better get it better today. Does that sentence make sense? I should get it better today than I did yesterday. I don't want to go backwards. And I do think whenever I leave this house today, I haven't left yet, by the way, it's Valentine's Day, and got all that squared away beforehand, I do believe God's going to give me an opportunity. I just need to ask him, make it obvious. Make that door obvious. And when I see it, God, give me an obedient heart for whatever that might look like to just represent you a little bit better today. Amen. Man, I I really want to encourage you to think about that. More guys with more courage. Who knows what the Lord will do? Who knows what he will do? I know we got some courageous guys in this group. I know we got some men with vigor. But uh, show up. Be present. Make relational investments. Stay longer. Do the things that nobody else wants to do. I just think more doors will open up. Amen. Man, I appreciate you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing the show. And above all, Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.